Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Our guest this week has quite an impressive resume and a story to match it. You may have recently seen him on season one of Fox's breakout hit, The Glee Project, or even on season 10 of American Idol. Today, we are talking with actor, singer, songwriter, talk show host, and author, Mr. Jay Blake White. What's going on, my man? What's up? What's up, Trevor? Man, it is so good to be here with you, man. Man, it's it's been a long time coming. We were just talking about that. It's like we've been trying to get this thing going for a while. So I'm glad for to finally Yeah, like I'm finally excited to sit down and have this conversation because I feel like we've been trying to connect for probably a little over a year now. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. It has been roughly around a year for us trying to link up and but it's good. We we did it. <laughs> yeah, we finally got it going on. And I'm glad that you could fit us in your busy schedule. You've uh, got an EP coming out, Treasure 831. It'll be out on September I 18th. I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to open up the floor for you to share a little bit about your heart behind it, the songs yeah. that you're going to be bringing to the table. And yeah, what, what's yeah. going on? Super excited about Treasure 831. It is my second EP release uh, that followed up behind Faith Walk, which was released in 2015. Mm -hmm. It's still available on SoundCloud, but we took it off of the mainstream market uh, because I wanted to kind of rebrand myself and reintroduce myself. And so that's what Treasure 831 uh, is for me, is it's kind of like the firm stamp into artistry. Mm -hmm. And into, uh, you know, the music industry, the gospel music industry, and uh, just reintroducing myself, my sound, and um, it hails from just a really powerful testimony. Um, I struggled with a lot of uh, bullying growing up. And so, yeah. And so in that, um, I kind of really leaned into a relationship with Jesus. That was really the only thing that kind of brought me out um, of just feeling really low with all the titles and things that were being passed to me as a child and really just trying to have to comprehend all of that. Uh, that's what bullying pretty much is. You deal with a lot of people telling you a lot of things about yourself that you are too young to be able to mentally comprehend. And uh, I fell into that trap and it, it just kind of sent me on this whirlwind of just identity and just really trying to find out who I was. But through the blood of Jesus and through a relationship with him, I was able to come out on top and really just embrace all the things that make me very unique and make me, uh, you know, very, very, uh, yeah, very unique and very accepted in the, you know, in the body of Christ. And yeah. so Treasure 831, there's a story behind each track. I'm excited to share it. You know, it's, it's got my testimony weaved all throughout each song. I love yeah. that so much. And we actually met through Jesus Wired, which is a pretty neat publication. Honestly, I was writing for their blog there for a while and you've been featured on a lot of their projects. Um, yeah. Where did you get started with that? So with Jesus Wire, and I didn't even know that you and I were writing for them at the same time. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Like I, it, it, I'm so that's so cool how we both got kind of connected with them in terms of faith based media outlets. Shout out to Jesus Wired yeah. uh, for always giving me a shot to you know to do my thing. And I got connected with them back in 2013, and um, I've always wanted to do. Uh, red carpet hosting. I always, um, I got my start in radio actually. Wow. So um, yeah, so I got my start in radio in Memphis, Tennessee. 
with the youth platform show. And um, I knew I wanted to go beyond doing radio and do more of the red carpet scene. And then I was looking for opportunities to what would it look like to be able to cover faith-based stories and highlight people of faith that are working on major projects in the entertainment industry. And I started out with the Gospel Guru, and then I went on to Jesus Wired um, to be able to kind of have access into those doors and, you know, and to, to highlight some pretty interesting stories of the people who work on the Wonder Womans and, the, mm-hmm. you know, and the, uh, the Last Man Standing, like all these different TV shows and things like that. So it's been awesome covering for them. And, and that was my goal with, with red carpet coverage. Dude, that's awesome. And how did you get started with that? I know a lot of people that are listening to this are probably going to think that's pretty cool. Like I've had that little niche in the back of my head for the longest time, but I just don't know where to get started with that. What would you tell that person? So, uh, I started (laughs) with, as far as the gospel guru and just kind of even how I tapped into like covering and, and, uh, you know, putting together stories. Well, it all kind of starts with journalism in some way, form or fashion. And like I said, my background was in radio and getting stories that you have just a little bit of time to, to cover, you know, and get to Mm -hmm. the like, Hey, what's happening right now. And then taking that, um, picking a purpose, which mine was highlighting faith and entertainment. Um, and then looking for outlets that correlate with that same core belief, you know, that, that have the, those same values. Um, and through that, I know Jesus Wired, they, they usually focus on independent artists and music. Mm-hmm. And so um, at first I was covering indie artists, indie gospel artists. That was more of my niche. But then I was like, you know what? I'm moving out to Los Angeles and there's going to be so much of that plus more. What would it look like for me to cover uh, stories of faith and entertainment just all the way around? And so uh, that's what I did. I I went on and, uh, you know, hit Jesus Wired up and they were like, yeah, sure. You know, you're going to the Stella Awards. Why don't you cover for us? They didn't have anybody at the time covering gospel music. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. because they primarily focus on the rock and like underground Mm -hmm. hip hop type ordeal, um, which is needed. Like there's not a lot of publications that cover like rock anymore, Um, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to gospel. Like you either have your Tasha Cobbs Leonard or Tamla Mann, like these big name artists, or there's not like an indie artist market. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's a market, but there's nobody covering that and like helping grow it. Right. So that's where you come in. Right. That's where I come in. And, um, you know, we, I've covered the mainstream artist as well as the indie artist journey. And, you know, it's, um, it's really awesome to be able to have the opportunity to, uh, connect with people and their journeys and their approach to artistry, their approach to business as uh, we've done conversations with Jesus Wired, you know, about, you know, how did you get your stuff on, on iTunes? You know, how'd you get your stuff out there? Also, what's the creative approach? Um, like I said, we've now gone into talking to actors and, and film producers and, uh, people who raise funding for projects. And it's been awesome. My, my conversations have definitely evolved in my coverage. Dude, so that's so happy sick. That's awesome. It's like, I feel like when I started this show, it was like real people, real topics, real stories. That wasn't like something that I brought into the podcast. It's just like, I was trying to figure out my intro before my first interview. Um, and I was like, what is the catchphrase going to be? What am I going to intro with? I was like, I don't know why, I guess like 
I I don't want to say God like laid it on my heart or anything, but like it just happened and we went with that. And my whole goal with this was like, okay, I was on tour, COVID shut it down. So I needed something to do. So I started the podcast and it's turned into my main platform. Like this is the main way that I want to reach people. And I want to highlight people's stories. Like I want to talk to you today about your story and like you've done American Idol, the Glee project, theater, commercials, uh, master classes, all of that, but you keep coming back to worship. So there's, everybody has a story. Everybody's got a unique thing about them. And for you, it's, you've had these crazy opportunities, but you keep coming back to your roots where as earlier you said, you found your strength in Jesus, where you're getting bullied. You came Mm -hmm. back. Like, it's not like you ever left like a prodigal son to my knowledge. We'll get into that. But, um, you keep coming back to the heart of worship and why, like right off the bat, why is that for you? You know, um, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, like I felt like, I don't know, I, I don't, I will, I don't want to say, well, Jesus has my heart and, and let that be corny, yeah. but it is real. It is real. Like being in love with God um, and being in love with the presence of God um, is actually a real thing. CC yeah. Winans talks about that a lot. Yeah. Um, and she's like my biggest inspiration when it comes to just artistry and um, just the authenticity, the authenticity of yeah. her relationship with Jesus and how that kind of transcends. Um, she's been a model for me in that way. I've actually never met that woman before, but I just admire her career because there's so much integrity attached to it. She too has been on sitcom. Um, she's done commercials. She had a Crest commercial back in the day. Like she's done a lot. Yeah. And, and her and her brother, B.B. Winans have actually, uh, they actually have a star on the walk of fame out here. Really? All from glorifying God, you know? And so, um, they, they're like one of few gospel artists that actually have a star on the walk of fame. And that's, and that's so like, odd. Like I remember the first time I could recall hearing like, a. A real gospel song was Hallelujah Praise by CC. It's like, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And I'm like, that still buzzes in my head because my mom had went to the Women of Faith Conference and heard that. And she came back and showed mm-hmm. us. And I was like, okay, I hear that. I ain't got no rhythm, but I'm a, bo- I'm a vibe with it. You know, like, it's hey, good. So, vibe like, with it, vibe with nah, CC has made an impact. Um, Definitely. And and she still has so much inspiration for people and her ministry is still alive and well. And God's still using things that she recorded well over two decades ago to reach people. Right. So I, um, you know, back to just answering your question, I I guess I just feel like uh, I grew up in in a family that uh, faith and worship was just all around. It, it, it was not far. Both of my parents, um, you know, my father, God rest his soul. We lost him about three years ago. He was a pastor and we didn't really have that great of a relationship, um, until his last six years of living. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I even saw God kind of mend broken hearts and, and the relationship process in that. But I, I thank God, like the biggest gift that my parents did give to me was faith. Um, and being free enough to find my own journey while also still giving me opportunities to serve and lead worship and be amongst other believers and, and to know what community looks like. Because every time I feel like I've either veered off or I have, uh, 
you know, or I, or I'm considering something different, you know, or whatever that looks like. I've always been able to say, no, I have community here and I, you know, and this is what feels good to me. This is how I'm blessed every time. And it has been worship. Um, and it has been getting into the presence of God. I think that's where I've been most convicted, most changed and most loved, like most convicted, most changed, most loved in the presence of God. So that's why at the end of the day, all these talents, all these things that I do, like, that's what I do. I get back to that place, especially nowadays with the, with the pandemic and the COVID and you have to do things that man, just, just keep you hope centered because, you know, we've all faced little spurts of hopelessness, little uh, spurts of, you know, anxiety, little spurts of just, um, just not knowing, you know, facing the ambiguity of life and purpose and what God has for me. You know, um, I think you and I's generation, forgive me if I'm just talking too much, but we're just having a conversation. (laughs) I think that, I think that, um, you know, just right now, I think our generation is being caught up in the whole political realm of things. And you would have caught me three years ago and, and it just wasn't, you know, just my generation. Like we just weren't doing it. And now it's like, oh my gosh, I, I need to start paying attention to these things because one, I'm getting older Two, I'm like an adult, like a full fledged adult yeah. now. And those things matter. And, and, you know, how my heart aligns with all of that. It's just, it, you, I think the more and more you grow up and the more and more you grow in faith and you attempt to grow in the things of God, your heart breaks for things differently. And so I think that that's just been where I've been. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah. And I know I said a mouthful, but no, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> and it's like in the political side of things, like right now, like we're gearing up to be dead center in the middle of a political election coming up this mm-hmm. November. You've got uh, Donald Trump, Mike Pence, and you've got uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And it's like, I feel like this year I've received more hate from both sides, like Republican and Democrat, than I ever have before um, from mm. the Republican side for speaking up on uh, the issue of black lives and mm-hmm. um, for going out to rallies and like being asked to speak and saying that. And in my early stages of beginning to educate myself on like the privilege that I grew up with and et cetera, I reached out to a lot of friends of color and was like, look, I didn't grow up around this. I don't understand everything that's going mm-hmm. on. I was trying to educate myself. And I even had people that um, I look up to be like, well, you just don't need to say anything if you don't understand what's going on and like bash me. And it's like, mm. if you're advocating for people to go out and be different and make a make change don't bash them for it and it doesn't matter whether it's on the political spectrum race spectrum religion whatever it is like just because someone doesn't agree with something you say does not mean um that y'all can't be friends and get over it Mm -hmm. you know so it's it comes down to like conversation like we're having now. I feel like people need more conversations in their life. And that's why I love, 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 uh, this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Like I run my mouth. Like people are like, why can't Trevor talk? So I was like, uh, have you met me? Like I don't shut up. So what a fitting name. (laughs) So you mentioned bullying. What age did you start receiving bullying from? 
Yeah, Trevor. Well, first and foremost, I and you know, I know we're going on to the next question, but I do have to say thank you so much for uh, creating a platform where you can constantly uh, navigate and and experiment and facilitate the conversations that do need to take place. Obviously, we know that it takes a mature heart. It takes a mature mind to be able to step into a place and do that. So thank you for that. And then also thank you for being a voice for, you know, the wrongs of the world, the wrongs of society. And I believe that that is a part with all that Jesus calls us to do. That is also what he calls us to do is be a voice for justice. And so um, I have to appreciate you and, and take time because, you know, I'm black. I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> and so Come I'm on, black man. and I'm proud. And I am appreciative for anybody who wants to be an ally um, and is doing it with the right intention. So. Mm-hmm. You have my respect and, and my love for you there. Um, the second part, the, the next part of your question, you were asking me about bullying. Bullying started for me at age, I would say, five or six. Hmm. Uh, it stayed five or six or whatnot. And I didn't really understand like, oh, people are mistreating me uh, due to my mannerisms or the color of my skin or uh, my body parts. Um, I was a light-skinned black boy um, raised in Memphis, Tennessee, raised away, 10 hours away from my family because I was born in Indiana. Um, But we, yeah, but my parents divorced when I was really young and when I was four years old. So I grew up in a single parent home with my mother and sister. Mm. And, uh, you know, you tend to pick up traits that are more effeminate or you pick up traits that are a little bit more like mama. That doesn't mean you want to be your mom or your sister or any yeah. of that. It's yeah. just you grow you grow up in a way from uh, what we would generalize as uh, that masculinity, yeah, that yeah. American masculinity or whatnot. And I was terrorized. Uh, as a young kid that knew he loved to sing and loved to, uh, you know, love to be around people. I've, my love and my energy for wanting to be around other people and get to know people and think like that was a part of who I was even as a child. Sure. Hey, like, what are you doing? And you know what? You know, I was always that kid that wanted to know and wanted to sing for you or entertain you. And uh, sometimes people don't really know. It also takes a mature heart and a mature mind to know what to do with that kind of energy when it is thrown your way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so at a young age, I was just really... Uh, really terrorized by just some awful kids, man. I was pronounced dead at one point. Yeah, I was actually performing at a local talent show in Memphis, Tennessee for the Mid-South Fair. Uh, and my sister and I were both in that talent show and a kid had just said some really awful things to me. This was like in middle school, bro. Like, And this is just an example out of many examples. Yeah. Um, a kid had had just said some terrible things to me the day before and uh, the, the terrible things that he said and the, and the, you know, the agitation and whatnot was of course amongst some of the student body. And I didn't show up for school the next day. Um, So this public argument, you know, or whatnot, I didn't show up for school the next day, not because um, the rumor of suicide or anything like that. It wasn't because of that. It was because, I, my mom had my sister and I out for that day to go and do the educational talent show for the Mid-South Fair in this, you know, in the city of Memphis. Mm-hmm. So 
um, there was this rumor made up that I was dead, that I had killed myself because of the conversation. Yeah, bro. The conversation with, um, you know, another student. And that just wasn't the case. I was trying to win the competition. So that day we actually had a few faculty reach out to my mom and they were like, hey, like, you know, we heard that there were ambulances at you all's house and 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 police cars at you all's house. And she was like, nope, he's at the fair performing, trying to bring home the trophy. Like, what are you alluring to? Like, what are you talking about? But it just kind of, uh, you know, back then I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Yeah. But as an adult, I'm able to kind of look at it. And I'm like, first of all, people will make up anything. That sounds great because it went from an argument to police cars and ambulances and all of that. Um, I did have a parent that definitely was trying to seek to understand like what that looked like. I also had concerned teachers at the time Mm -hmm. reach out and say like, Hey, like what's going on? The whole school is crying. Apparently your son has died. Like, you know, what's happening. Yeah. But that just wasn't the case. It was just bullying that just kind of got out of hand. And, um, it really did. Like I said, that's one of many instances, but on the more like you know, extreme uh, side, extreme, of it. Yeah. extreme side of it. It got that bad. It got wow. that bad and God delivered, you know, the enemy thought that he had me in terms of, um, not having a heart that's still compassionate for people. And he didn't win. I still love people. I still, you know, uh, love my friends and my family. And I still love, you know, um, I still can go throughout life, even though everything that I had kind of experienced in the past, didn't really, uh, didn't really want that out of me. Didn't want me to come out with joy. Enemy didn't want me to come out with joy and he didn't want me to come out with peace, but I have it. (laughs) That's awesome. And it shows the kind of person you are. You're an overcomer. You're not going to sit down and lay down and, um, let these things haunt you. How did you stay joyful during those dark seasons like that? Especially as a kid. Yeah, I would definitely say music definitely say music. I would definitely say like, I grew up in church. I loved singing in the youth choir and loved, you know, doing anything my mom would let me do. Like yeah. <laughs> we, I was, I was that kid. I was, I wasn't consistent in athletics. Um, but she me let me do athletics. neither. Uh-uh. Yeah. I wasn't consistent in athletics, but she let me do the choir. She let me, you know, volunteer for the radio stations. I found my voiceover voice and, you know, I found, <laughs> All those different Ladies things. and gentlemen. <laughs> exactly. I found all these cool things to be a part of. And my mom did the absolute best that she could do to make sure that I was exposed to so much. And I think that's what helped me pull out of um, the darkness, you know, and pull out of, you know, being a statistic, you know, being, yeah. being, yeah, being going, going extreme left. And, and it all hasn't been perfect. It all hasn't been golden, but it has been a consistent uh, path of just trying to run back to Jesus, you know, and run into the presence of God and run into like full fellowship with him. Because I've gone through college and, you know, I've gone through like so many different things where it tried to shake my my faith or try to get me on a path that I wasn't happy with or that I felt like God wouldn't be pleased with, but I didn't make it back and I'm back and I'm loving him every day. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. And do you remember the first time that you combated like those anxious or dark thoughts with worship? Ooh, uh, 
I don't remember the first time. I will say back in high school, the first time I really was urged to really get serious about my walk with Christ was uh, in my senior year of high school. Mm. And uh, there was a worship leader by the name of Myron Williams. He is the CEO of Flow Records, which at the time was the leading independent Christian label uh, above Lecrae, above all of that. That was, you know, that was back in the day. Yeah, Yeah. like uh, Flow Records was the leading independent Christian record label to go platinum. Sure. yeah, with uh, Pastor Juanita Bynum and whatnot. And he had a worship DVD uh, that was called Worship on the Threshing Floor. Uh, and it was a conference that was held at West Angeles Church of God in Christ. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And I just remember getting a hold to that DVD and just kind of losing myself. And okay, that's what going for broke looks like. That's what chasing after the presence of God looks like. This is what laying on your face in the presence of God looks like. And that is what conditioned my heart to want to be a worship leader, to want to lead others into worship. And it had the most impact on my life that, that, that worship on the threshing for uh, live DVD with Myron Williams. Uh, that's what did it. Yeah. I love that. And how old were you when you realized that your journey was going to take you to Hollywood? Uh, all of my life. No, <laughs> I was I've, born I've, to be a star. <laughs> I was born to do this friends. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I knew all of my life that I wanted to pursue a, a career in entertainment. Um, I knew fresh out of high school. I didn't want to go to college. I was like, mom, just let me move right now. Me this is what neither. I want to do. Yep. Yeah. And uh, she didn't let me do that. She was like, <laughs> You're, I, I, and I was always the kid out of uh, my sister and I, I only have one other sibling, my sister. And I, I was always the kid that would surprise you with what I'm doing. Mm. So my, even to this day, there are commercials there. Th- I am the kid. It's just like, you know, they were telling me you were on TV or they were telling me that you were on this new commercial. What? I've always had to been that kid to just kind of prove like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is where I'm going. Not because I didn't have her support. I have my, you know, my family support, you know, my uncles, my aunts, my, my grandmother, mm-hmm. everybody, I have all of their support, but I've always kind of like seen it and then go for it and, mm-hmm. and do my best to, to, you know, manifest and, and have faith and just leap out. And, um, and so that's what I did. I, at in my first year into college, I think that's when I auditioned for American Idol and I did that competition and only made it to the top 100, uh, which I, people have to always remind me, you say only that's like huge. And it's like, yeah, but you know, they had so many seasons at the time and all that, all the negative chatter that goes on internally. Right. But, um, I made it to the top 100, my first time ever auditioning for American Idol. And then that's when I was like, wait a minute, I could sing, I could sing professionally too. Um, but I saw myself doing musical theater. So I went on and tried my hand at musical theater professionally. I've done a few professional shows, one out here. I've done two out here in LA since I've moved out here in the past six years. And, uh, I did one back on the, oh, I did two back on the East coast, uh, back in Memphis. And so it's literally been a matter of just saying, man, I I really want to do this. I really want to go do these red carpets. I really want to uh, go be in a film, mm. you know, how do we make it happen? Like, what do the auditions look like? I got an agent, I, you know, the whole, the whole, uh, all, know, the yeah. all, all the things, all the things, all the things that, 
you know, and it's not a perfect journey at all, but you know, Hey, it's like, you see it. How can I make it happen? Yeah. How can I, how can I go after it? And, uh, right now we're in a place where we have too many resources, mm. not to, not to make it happen. Yeah. Not to like, not to go after our dreams, you know? Yeah. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, like you don't really need an agent for music anymore. Like back in Elvis Presley's day or even uh, CC and BB, like when they got started, you kind of needed that to get yeah. started. But now like you've got so much, so many free apps and resources that you can use, but um, mm-hmm. you played an iconic role. You played the whiz. Um, yeah. You played Tin Man. You played Tin Man. Come on. Yeah. At, what yeah, was it man. like carrying that iconic role? Um, you know what? It was really awesome because it was out here in Simi Valley. Man, there's a story that goes with that. It was out here in Simi Valley. I auditioned. It was my first uh, major production out here on the West Coast. And um, I auditioned for this role and uh, was super excited about it. The, the music in The Wiz is just amazing. It's like all got got highlights of Motown throughout it. It was made into a movie, you know the movie mm-hmm. with Michael Jackson and Diana yeah. Ross and the Wiz is just highly respected in, in theater. Um, so I got the chance to audition for it, got the part while in production, two things happened. One, it was in Simi Valley where the Rodney King deaths took place and the Rodney King tragedy and all that. So there were some times where we didn't really have a lot of kind people waiting for us after the production being a majority all black cast in Simi Valley. Um, And so sometimes we would have to be like, walk to our car. There would be people who would honk, you know, at us, you know, and and me being so young in this cast, I had never experienced anything like that. And, um, you know, that was really different for me, but it was an amazing production. Uh, a lot of great people came to check out the production, you know, from Hollywood casting directors. I, I learned that if you want to get people to come and see you that you want to work with maybe in the future, being in a show or having a show as an artist, whether you are singing or whether you are performing in musical theater, invite them, send your comp tickets to the people that you want in the seats, it's great for family and friends for you to give a, a friend or whatnot, a free ticket to a show or whatnot, but invite people that you want to do business with or that you want to work with. Mm. Um, because that's, you know, they'll, they'll show up if their schedule allows. And, and that was a good way. And then I lost my father in the middle of doing the whiz too. Mm. Um, lost my father three years ago while I was doing the whiz. And that was just terrible because uh, we, you know, I had to leave. Uh, I, I think I finished out the show. I think I did the very last show. Uh, but for majority of the show, um, I, I did most, most of it. It was like halfway through it, halfway through it. I didn't get a chance to do like maybe, maybe five shows or so. So, and yeah. we did a total of 18 shows wow. for the Wiz. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you combat grief in the midst of all that success that you were finding? Uh, well, I combated grief through family. Uh, my father was one of nine Mm. and, uh, I know he was one of nine. That's a huge family. The white family is huge. Uh, and so his brothers and sisters, his brothers and sisters, definitely, I'm so grateful for them. They definitely helped to step in and take care of my father. He was a, a really awful, uh, diabetic. Mm. He was an extremely terrible diabetic and so bad to the point to where he was a bilateral amputee. And, uh, yeah, lost both of his legs and, 
just struggled with taking care of himself, Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it had gotten to a point where he needed to go in and have fluid removed off of his lungs and the surgery just did not go well um, due to pneumonia recovering and all that stuff. And it just did not go well. And he did not recover from that surgery. Um, and so, uh, handling the grief was, like I said, my father and I, we had a rough relationship because while he was well, you know, we struggled having that father son bond, especially with growing up in a single parent home and you're so far away from him. And, you know, he was heavy into ministry and, you know, that questioned, I had times of question of like, well, do I really want to go into ministry? Like, this has been my experience with a parent who's in ministry and like, what do I have? You know, like, why, why do I need to follow in those footsteps or what would it look like for me to follow in those footsteps? And, you know, I actually, I don't want to be anything like that at all. Like I had gone through it all. And so when he passed in dealing with the grief, you literally have all of those conversations in your head. Um, but the devil did not win in terms of the reconciliation behind my father and I's relationship. Mm. The last five years of his life, I had just moved to LA. Um, I was here, I was making my, you know, trying to, you know, go after my dreams, working full time and, you know, auditioning for commercials and all that. And my dad got a chance to see that my first DP, he heard it and he loved it. And I sent it to him and, um, you know, just all the things that you would want my, my, my dog and I adopted my dog. And then he, he told me, uh, as I started doing more commercials and things like that, he, he, uh, set me down. We, we got a chance to maybe Skype a couple of times. He's actually on the record. He's on treasure 831. Mm. And a lot of people don't know that just yet, but my father is on my record and the last three voicemails that he, that he, uh, that he left me and you can just kind of hear him go from being extremely, uh, you know, extremely his joyous pastoral like self to, um, you know, to him being very ill, uh, and just kind of like what that looked like. And then I wrote only help, which was the first song that I wrote after my father passed away. And, um, you know, just the time of grief, I think had it not been for the family, I know I kind of rambled there with that response, oh. but, uh, if it had it not been for a family that was constantly taking care of him, uh, grief counseling was huge for my sister and I dealing with that, taking the proper time away from work definitely mm-hmm. helped, uh, you know, and if, it, if that looks like a week or if that looks like two weeks, and then I was budgeting, not just one, but like three jobs at the time, mm-hmm. leading worship at church being in a full-blown production, um, you know, working, you know, a, another job, like so many different things to support myself out here in California. But I remember my dad did encourage me by saying that he was so proud of everything that I had done. And I was a man of a uh, man, uh, moving out, taking care of myself, you know, didn't really have it. You know, he was like, I'm so happy that, you know, you're, um, you know, you don't have any children. And if you did have children, you would be taking care of them because that's the man we raised you to be. And, you know, just all the, I know exactly. Right. So like he, he really, really, really dissected how I was taking care of myself and, um, just how proud he was. And, um, before he passed away, he did instruct me. He said, Hey, like, uh, be holy JB, like go after the holiness, um, that comes in the relationships 
uh, I mean, that comes in the relationship of pursuing Christ. And holiness is like a journey because it's our constant gratification, like laying down our will for the Lord's will. And that's not an easy thing to do when you work in the entertainment industry. And I believe he knew that. And that was like his further instruction before he passed on. So that's how I deal with grief. And I try to work out. He always wanted me to work out. So I've been working out a lot more lately. And that I find that that is a way for me to uh, honor my father because he was a big man. Like he was he was a football player. Oh, and wow. He didn't yeah, love to go fishing, love to like, you know, he was a man's man. So he was like definitely, you know, always he loves karate, loved, you know, superhero movies. We would go to the theaters and, you know, watch him and all that stuff. That's awesome, man. And if somebody's listening to this and they'd really like to get started in acting or music, where would you recommend they start? Um, I would recommend that they start at home um, because local theater, uh, local theater is kind of what develops you for the whole ride. To be honest, like most of everyone who is in Hollywood, with the exception of the last six years, Um, of social media influencers and things like that. Everybody has gotten their training, whether it be, you know, they were in school plays, church plays, um, university, uh, university productions into community productions. So go after that, learn what it means to work as a professional in any of those environments. And then you can cross over into television, um, you know, and doing auditions, you know, on camera and, getting an agent, taking the proper headshots, uh, learning how to build and develop a reel, uh, whether it be from radio voiceover stuff to on-camera stuff. The stuff that I did with Jesus Wired has allowed me to have a solid red carpet reel. They know the energy that they're going to expect. They know what they're going to get when they book Jay Blake White. They, you know, and, um, and even with the responsibility of of doing the red carpet stuff, Trevor, like you got to learn how to write up a story. It's not Mm -hmm. just showing up and being on camera talent. Some, sometimes it is, but a lot of times what gives you the advantage is that you know how to cover a story, write it up and make it ready for publication. Mm -hmm. And so those are things that you learn either in university or having somebody mentor you or um, just being so zealous and eager that you will look it up yourself. Yeah. You know, and because uh, I haven't always had mentors that did that as well. Yeah. Like, you know, so you just got to learn how to find that groove, bro. Yeah. And if uh, you're listening to this and you want to get into stuff like uh, Jay Blake and myself do, uh, be ready to work for free for quite a few years. For a while. Yep. Work for free for a while. <laughs> yeah. You uh, will not see your first check for years. I promise you. Yeah. But it's so worth the sacrifice. It's so worth everything. All the hard work that you put in. And, you know, man, I just loved hearing your story today. I loved hearing about your career career and your music and how proud your dad was of you. You overcame bullying. You overcame objections. Um, You've risen above tons of objections in your life. And it really shows through you, your personality, your music. And many, many people are going to hear this and be like, you know, if he can make it, why can't I make it? He was just a normal person like me. Um, I'm still a normal person. I'm still out here. Nah, there ain't nothing normal about you. I'm just kidding. No, I don't believe that there's anything average about you or myself, but the normacy of just being a human and and being um, able to 
have that that normal walk of um, of life and faith, mm-hmm. and we are all on our individual journeys. I believe I still have that. I still have everything that makes me human, especially with, with everything that's going on. So, but we're not average, sir. Nope. <laughs> Built to you, be. Nor I. We're yeah. We're, nor we're so anybody more. listening to this podcast. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has something in them that is so unique and crafted by the God that created this universe. And if you're listening Amen. to this and you feel any other way, or maybe you even feel depressed, anxious, or suicidal, please, please, please reach out, get help. Go check out deathtolife.com. It's death, the number two, then life. There's so many people out there that want to help you and they would rather listen to what you have to say and hear your feelings and hear the emotion that's going through your life. They would so much rather sit with you and work through that and help you get through it than sit through your 15 minute eulogy at your funeral. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if you feel like you're strong enough to get through it, if you're walking through that journey alone, do not wait. Go get help. Anthemofhope.org, heartsupport.com, deathtolife.com. There's so many organizations out there that want to help you out. So y'all go check those out. This has been Jay Blake White. You can check out his new EP, Treasure 831, everywhere you stream music on September 18th. Jay Blake, man, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. Man, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you and hang out with you and Thank you so much for having me, Tre- uh, Trevor. I really, really appreciate it. We got to do this again. Yes. Can we do it again? Round two. <laughs> Round two, because I have questions I want to ask you. Well, you talked gonna... all about my journey and stuff. Church, we need to talk about George. Bro, write it up. <laughs> We're going to do a part two where you interview me. I bet. Okay. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. I'll co-host Trevor Talk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk to you guys next week. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.